0: matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express you breeze through the card member entrance,
1: stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is gonna be good see
2: how
0: to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex, don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required, benefits vary by card and by venue terms apply
1: Welcome to this week's play by play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, banks it in. With your host,
3: Calius Anderson,
1: stuffed it down behind his
4: head. Seku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip.
1: Oh, yes, the Hang Time Podcast. Back in the studio here at the headquarters, Sekou Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Micah Hart, our super producer behind the glass, along with Clint Hawkins, our engineer, Tori the intern, and our special guest co-host, Skyping in live from New York, Lang Whitaker, the executive editor of Slam Magazine. Lang, what's happening, man? How are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, you you sound
3: refreshed. I am, man. Like, I had that... uh, <laughs> like what? Like a new man.
1: I mean, you sound great.
3: <laughs> I feel like a real man now. <laughs> so I was out in Montana for a week, you know, and I, I was like fishing and riding horses and chasing cows around. What? And, yeah, I feel, I'm like a I'm like a real man. Although I learned why cowboys wear cowboy hats because I, I pulled the Billy Crystal city slickers and I was wearing my Graves hat. <laughs> no. And it works like I mean your face you can see, but then like like my ears like I'm you might not know the secret, but I'm pretty white. Yes, and, I've, um,
1: I've, I have noticed that
3: over the years, and my skin is like uh, like flash paper that magi- the magicians use. You know, like so the sun touches me and I immediately like burst into flame. <laughs> so like I got, I got on that horse within about three minutes. Like my neck, my ears, my, my arms, everything was bright red. Yeah, you might have needed something bigger than an a hat while horseback riding in in, in Montana. But, I, yeah, so I, I learned why cowboys wear cowboy hats. But I had a good time and got out of the office for a while and uh, went to Yellowstone National Park, which which is it's not just uh, an amazing park. It's our park as tax paying citizens. <laughs> One of the park rangers reminded me. So, yes. Uh, yes, that's good to that know. Was, that was really amazing. I'd, I'd recommend that to anyone. It's 20 bucks to get in for a week, and uh, it was pretty incredible. But, uh, yeah, so I made it back radio what what you got a vacation coming up
1: no i don't i don't do vacation lang uh some of us here at the uh, hardest working place in show business we come to work every day i I mean i know you go on cruises and go fishing and go to national parks and all that it's
3: beautiful i love it i know you've uh, got you've got millions of starwoods points saved (laughs) up (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is from your years in the on the beat you know i would never stay
1: anywhere other than a Marriott. How dare you bring up Starwoods on the Hangtime Podcast. You Star- probably you probably just cost me two or three free nights somewhere when I go I on vacation. I thought Starwood was Marriott. No,
3: it's not. <laughs> Who is that? I don't know, but it's not Marriott. What's the Marriott points? Is it just called Marriott
1: points? Marriott points, baby. They're, oh. they're as good as gold. You can sell them on the black market. I could get two or three limbs you know, for some of my Marriott points. <laughs> but no, I'm, I actually am taking a break uh, later this month, but uh, I'm going to go to a national park. Uh, It's a little closer to your heart. I might go to watch a laser show at Stone Mountain Park. It's pretty good. Seriously, in in, uh, almost, what, six years now that I've been living in Atlanta, I have yet to see Stone Mountain Park, which I told that to somebody, and they were mortified. I mean, you'd have thought I told them I didn't know who Edward Cullen was or something. (laughs) It's like a teenage kid. But, I mean, I I live on the west side of town, so I've never – I think I've been east of 400. When uh, I was a kid growing times.
3: up, we—I uh, I had a like—I think it was our church group did a like a, a walk to raise money, and uh, we had people pledge, you know, whatever, a dollar per mile or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they they told us we were going to Stone Mountain. They didn't tell us we were hiking up Stone <laughs> Mountain, <laughs> and it was like twelve miles or something. And I I came pretty close to dying when I was twelve <laughs> when we did that. So I would say I would say definitely check out Stone Mountain Park. I don't know if you want to hike up to the top. I don't know. I'm I'm not hiking anywhere
1: right now. Right now, um. I'm crawling all over NBA.com since you've been on vacation. <laughs> Quite um, a segue. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, we gotta we gotta warm you up into uh, into what you've missed. Um, and, and first and foremost, you know, there's been a ton of news. Obviously, Chris Paul asking for a trade, um, or potentially asking for a trade from the New Orleans Hornets. Uh, more free agent news, obviously, and some other good stuff. But before we take another step, I I've, I've put a, a blog post out this afternoon. Um, about the game of the year, which is wide open. The polls are open for fans right now on NBA.com. Game of the year. There are ten candidates on the ballot. Um, right. And if you, if for all the listeners out there, if you if you get on NBA.com, look for the top game slide on the front page, and you can check out the videos from all these games. Lang, like, I I already know what I'm. You know where I'm going with my vote. Um, and I don't know if you've had a chance to look through all these games. I didn't watch. You know, several of these games I actually didn't see the game when it happened obviously. But uh I was at game 7 of the NBA Finals, Lakers Celtics. And for me to have the last game of the year have so much riding on it like that, a uh, game 7, you know, those two franchises and then Kobe stinking it up for as long as he did, you know, from uh you know, shooting. I thought that was just the best <laughs> game you could you know, the best drama you could have in that situation. And
3: I think I'm voting I think I'm voting game seven of the finals. I remember during that game, I think I tweeted that, that, you know, this has been an amazing series. Game eight's going to be unbelievable (laughs) because the whole thing was incredible. I I understand that vote. The one, the other, looking through these games, um, I remember some of these other, like the Ron Artest buzzer beater in game five of the Western Conference finals. Right. And uh, Goran Dragic going off against the Spurs, uh, Lakers Celtics during the regular season when kobe scored at the end but you know the other game out of all these that looking through these the one that i remember having a a big impact at the moment was that bucks warriors game at the beginning of the year when brandon jennings scored 55 only because my phone i was at a party that night my phone was just blowing up from people like brandon didn't even score in the first quarter and he's going crazy and you know and he was the number one trending topic on twitter that night i remember and that was like a Pretty big thing for a rookie, especially Brandon, because people kind of tagged him for skipping college and going to Italy and all this stuff. And uh, and, and for him to come in second week of the season and drop fifty five was—I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, you know that's the thing. When I look back at the list, Lang, I was looking and going,
1: did I watch this game when it happened? I mean, it's a lot of games to to try and boil down into a top ten. You know, yeah. regular season and playoffs, man. You're talking what close to twenty eight hundred games. Um, Okay, it's like, you know, yeah, to get 10 out of that group is I'm sure there were a ton of other great games. You think all the buzzer beaters, Kobe had what, six, seven buzzer beaters this season. Yeah. I mean, any game that you can think of that you could have tossed on this list. So it was it was definitely tough, I'm sure, to get get it down to this list. I remember the the one the other one that sticks out to me is uh, the one when Durant, Kevin Durant scored 45. Yeah. You know, and and Darren Williams went for 42. Yeah you know and and they had that play at the buzzer i mean there's i mean too many too many fantastic games to mention but certainly these 10 here you get on nba.com and you can uh, kind of weigh in on the process and 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 they're going to show the the reverse order starting august 3rd on nba tv there'll be a, a you know basically a series leading up to the game of the year as voted by the fans so cool. um it should be really really interesting yeah. um Back to some of the other stuff that's going on. I don't. I haven't had a chance to talk to you, obviously. I'm curious what you think of this whole story about Chris Paul uh, basically <laughs> wanting to pull a LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and get out of New Orleans and go play with his own,
3: you know, super friends team. I think, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I think today the story changed because Chris tweeted that uh, he had a great meeting and he's looking forward to winning and he hopes he stays in New Orleans his whole career. I don't know if that – changes anything or not but um i i don't i don't. I, it's hard for me to begrudge any player wanting to win a title and wanting to be on the best team possible at the same time y- you signed a contract with that team and you said that's the team you're going to play for and uh so i understand both sides of this uh i don't know if there's a way to keep everyone happy and apparently there's not and no. um, you know the player signed the deal and and you put your trust in the people there uh now, maybe they don't live up to what you asked for, but, uh, I, you know, I, I kind of see it both ways. And, uh, you know, I've known Chris for a long time. I know his family. I know his brother and parents, and they're all great people. And I don't think anyone's doing anything to to try to be the villain or to get people to hate him or whatever. And I'm sure right. that maybe that's the collateral damage there. But I don't uh, – you know, I don't, I don't know that it's going to be that easy for Chris to get himself traded.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't know. This This is a different dynamic, you know, from – what you've seen going on this summer. These other guys were free agents, so they had the, yeah. the leeway to, to make some things happen. The, the weird part about the whole Chris Paul story to me is that we heard the same thing basically, uh, what, three weeks to a month ago. Before yeah. free agency really kicked off, there was this rumor rumors floating around that he was going to want out or that, you know, Chris Paul might be available, you know, and he kind of came out and quieted that down with a similar statement. I think he was in London at the time. Yeah. Um, where he was kind of like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm fine. I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in that. This and the other. Of course, there are people like Micah Hart, uh, our super producer, who will not let it rest. I mean, he's he's got like 600 million different scenarios, you know, where his his favorite team can get their hands on Chris Paul. Um, so let me check. Let me tap the glass here and see if Micah <laughs> wants to weigh in with his n- nonsense. Well, <laughs> well, I have two things. First of all,
4: uh, I'm. This, the situation's interesting to me with Paul because I kind of feel like it's in New Orleans' best interest to trade him, and I've kind of <laughs> felt like that for a while, just because <laughs> yeah. Darren Collison. It's Blue in your best year. interest for New I'm Orleans to trade him, Michael. But he's good, uh, and I think that you know you could get more in return for him than you could get for David West per se. If they are going to trade him, Lang, I'm curious to hear what you think about it. I really think the Hawks could probably <laughs> put together the best package. I, I don't know. I know they won't, but I feel like they could.
3: That ship has sailed, Lang. What, what, uh, what, what would you like to see the Hawks put together? <laughs>
4: well, you know, just looking at the, uh, the, the, the trade thing on, uh, on ESPN, you figure if they're going to trade Chris <coughs> Paul, they got to want to get back you know, an all-star caliber player and some expiring contracts. The Hawks could trade, for example, Josh Smith, you know, young player, certainly talented, fans like to see him. Contracts, you know, it's big, but it's not unbearable. And then you could give them, you know, Jamal Crawford's in the last year of his deal. Mo Evans is in the last year of his deal. Maybe a young player like Teague or something. And, you know, you could take back Chris Paul, maybe a Mecca Okafor, who I know they're probably looking to get rid of if they have to trade CP3.
3: But I think, you know, the, the, the killer thing in all this, and, and we haven't mentioned until just this second, is the Okafor contract. Because if they're going to trade CP3, you're going to have to take Okafor also probably. And, and that deal, was he at, four years left? you know like that's a that's a big contract to have
4: uh you Emeka's, think it'd be worth it though to get I, chris paul i
3: mean maybe i mean, <laughs> is chris paul going to be healthy for please four years? is Mecca going to uh play the way he played the first couple of years uh you know i I, don't, I just don't know that uh is it worth it to have chris paul and not have josh smith cuz that would be a heck of a combination wouldn't it um you know there there's a lot to figure out there and i don't i don't know I mean, as a Hawks fan, would I like to see Chris Paul in the Hawks? Yes. Uh, would I like to see them give up a lot to get him? I'm not so sure about. Would you have liked to see seen Chris Paul in the Hawks uniform in 2005 is the question. Uh, yeah, I think everybody would. But, <laughs> but you know, like, I, and this has been my beef with that whole thing. And for years, Hawks fans have complained about that. I understand that. But at the same time, like, you know, it is what it is. They didn't take Chris Paul. And, and there's – there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> you sure, know? It is, we can complain about it forever if you, yeah. whether you're a <laughs> Hawks fan or not. But but, but Chris <laughs> falls on the Hornets. Like he's not going to be on the Hawks. He's not on the Hawks. He hasn't been on the Hawks since that trade. So you know you got this is what you have. Now go with what you have. And the Hawks have done a good job going with what they have. I think. Um, and I just think there's this tendency from fans, and I, I get it. I do it too. There's this tendency to want to just live in the past and. Um, you know, I, I think you got to move on and, and look ahead and and try to to build something new.
1: Yeah, and for and for the record, um, Dell Demps, the Hornets GM, uh, after their meeting with Chris Paul today, said that, just you know, contrary to all the reports that came out, Chris Paul did not ask for a trade. And um, and as you mentioned, Chris Paul uh, put something out on his Twitter uh, account, of, you know, basically saying that, you know, he's fired up and ready to to win in New Orleans. I the problem with this stuff is like these things don't come out of nowhere. I mean, this stuff has to be born out of something you know yeah and and that's what would worry me if I'm the hornets that even if he says he wants to stay now um you know in a couple of years, if it doesn't go as planned, he's going to have the same option that LeBron had and that you know Bosch had and some of these other guys to basically roll out of town and, and go find the best situation and and uh, like you i don't I don't have a problem with a guy. A, wanting to do that, and even plotting to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think you have a finite number of years as a as a professional athlete and certainly as an NBA player to chase that ultimate prize. And if you can't do it in one place, you have to find ways to do it somewhere else.
3: Yeah, but, you know, look, Chris has two years on his deal. It's not really on Chris right now. It's on the Hornets to get the best team around him that they can. Um, and in two years – if this is a championship team, why would you leave? You know, I mean, I think that's the best way to get the guy to stay is to to build the best team you can, give him the best options that you have, and, uh, and and then make it almost impossible for the guy to leave. If you want to win a title, you tell the guy you need to win it here. We're giving you the best chance to win it here. Yeah, well, that's I mean that's a good point. Let's
1: Lang, let's bring in uh, a good friend of the program, uh, a guy who played, you know decade and a half in the league and knows all about this stuff uh nba tv steve smith is joining us now in the hang time podcast and uh i know smitty has played in new orleans played in atlanta obviously played for the bobcats portland played around the league he should have some interesting perspective on this smitty how you doing man
2: hey, how you guys doing i'm good What's up, man?
1: good man um we, we were kind of f- finishing up on our talk about chris paul and this whole situation with the hornets but but it really leads to a bigger discussion i think smitty in terms of you know when do you know as a player that the situation you might be in is not a championship situation and you have to either ride it out or start thinking about that next step for yourself as opposed to thinking about the team and and whatever you know all the other stuff that goes along with it like when do you hit that point
2: i think um for Chris Paul, you know, obviously we all can't speak for him, but just speculate, say, and Lang. I think it's at that point. When you look at it, you've changed management. You've changed coaching staff. Um, and I think when you look at Chris Paul, you haven't really done much between the lines. I mean, you've done everything in the organization. But as far as bringing in guys, I think the Tyson challenge Omeka Mecca was kind of a lateral move. Mm-hmm. But really, they haven't done anything else uh, for Chris Paul. And I think when you look at Chris Paul, you know, he starts to look at his NBA his friends and com- comrade, everybody around him, the d waves and LeBron James, and then you look at Kobe. You also look at Darren Williams, the people he probably measured himself against, and also, like you guys are talking about, does he have a legit chance to win a championship in New Orleans? Uh, I don't think so right now. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing is when you look at a team two or three years ago, we were kind of talking about them kind of a little bit more. Uh, than the Oklahoma City Thunder because they advanced, you know, to the second round. They had a chance that they kept adding players, but the organization has not. So I think Chris Paul, you know, maybe out of frustration, maybe also just letting the organization know uh, it's time to step up. And I don't think they have as far as players, uh, you know, between the lines.
1: Mm-hmm. Smitty, not only Chris Paul, but, I, you know, there's a story out today as well. The, the Hawks' Jamal Crawford is looking for an extension on his deal. Do you think a lot of this is driven by the fact that, you know, there's some uncertainty about what happens with the CBA after next season and guys want to make sure they're in the best position possible to chase a championship coming, going into that and coming out of that just from an ambition standpoint for a lot of these players, you know, you, you four, five, six, And in Jamal's case, a decade plus into your career, you have to start thinking about chasing championships at this point. Don't you? Uh,
2: I think so. I think say, Quinn Lane, you guys both been around a long time and, you know, this collective bargain agreement, you know, ending at this time, uh, the guys and players have gotten more sophisticated. It's more of a business approach. I think you look at guys, um, you know, opting out before next year because you just don't know the uncertainty, how long the lockout and what the new terms will be. I think you're looking at Jamal Crawford uh, can have a great year but can be handicapped maybe by the collective bargaining deal, uh, and that's why you try to get a, an extension now. I think, unfortunately, for fans, that's what most guys are looking at as a business. Um, you could have a Jamal Crawford, for instance, you know, I'm not saying this will happen, have an unbelievable year. And then guarantees will be two years. Uh, I think then that will hurt him because of the two maybe great years that he would have in Alliance, Atlanta. So that's why he's looking for maybe extension. And, and I think guys are looking at, hey, maybe get things done to be, like you said, get a chance to win. Uh, in case of a lockout that you're in a place that you know after the lockout, if there is one or not, that you have a, A great chance to win, especially when you're late in your career. You got a chance to individually do a lot of things and financially do a lot of things. The next step is uh, if you're if you're a team player, if you're a guy that's thinking about winning, is hey, how can I win now because I've achieved everything
3: else? Smitty, I know you won a title late in your career, and then you took the minimum two years in a row, right? And and played. Uh, Did you think about when you took that minimum? You played with New Orleans and Charlotte, and they weren't really uh championship contenders no offense <laughs> mm-hmm. but um i mean did you think about take like going to an la or somebody like that or, or i mean was it more about trying to make an impact somewhere else or
2: well you know for me it was a couple things um new orleans was a city that i always wanted to play in uh, alvin gentry did a good job of recruiting me baron davis and those guys uh, stacy Alman. so it was a fit for team that i wanted to go with Uh, My wife's from Louisiana, so I always thought it was a great opportunity to play in New Orleans. Uh, The year I went to Charlotte, it was totally Bernie Bickerstaff and that organization, uh, the way they laid it out for me. And obviously, like you guys know, it wasn't about winning a championship. It was the being able to be that vet, to start a foundation there. And then I thank Bernie a lot. Um, He pushed me uh, for the trade deadline to go to Miami, which I was lukewarm on because of what they did for me. But, you know, Bernie also said, hey, you have a chance to go win another championship. So... Charlotte gave me two opportunities to play again, uh, also to have that voice as a vet, and, and at the end, you know, around tread deadline, also opportunity to win again. So, those are my, you know, I guess, driving forces. So both those years, I contemplated retiring. Uh, and, it, you know, I got a chance to win a championship. You always want to win a championship. But then also, in my mind, also wanted to play. So, those two places gave me opportunities to play and, and to be around, for me, to be around the guys, the organization the coaching staff that I wanted to be around. Because mm-hmm. as we all know it's a business, but if you could be around guys you like, that made those two years great for me.
3: I think, and Charlotte, didn't you, I mean, tell the truth, you really just wanted to lay the groundwork for the Matt Carroll era, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Matt Carroll, the Jason Capono, but you know, I, I look at it right now, you know, the relationship that me and Joe Wallace have, uh, Bernie Bickerstaff, Coach Cable. you know, uh, and I say people, you know, besides Lenny Wilkins, uh Bernie Bickerstaff was one of the greatest coaches I have because the way he treated you on the court and off the court, um, everything was uh, was the truth. It was definitely a business, but he ran he ran it with dignity, character, and, you know, and I always thank Bernie for that. And I learned so much about coaching, general manager, and just being a human being in the NBA. Uh, it was business, but, you know, the guy carried himself with class.
3: Yeah, you know, we were kind of joking, but I, I really wasn't joking. I thought <laughs> Matt Carroll's your dude, isn't it?
2: Matt Carroll is my dude. I, you know, I love Matt Carroll. He was, he was kind of my,
3: my, my rook that I,
2: he carried, You know, he helped me carry around my stuff and also I helped him out. But, you know, Matt Carroll, I'm a big
1: fan of Matt Carroll, and I, he's back in Charlotte now. See? I know. Well, Smitty, let me ask you your thought process, you know, and, and we're going hypothetical here, but say, you know, this was the second to the last or the last year that you played in the league and the free agency situation was the way it was say you get a call from Miami saying, come down here and help us out with this situation. Would that be as appealing to you, you know, as a veteran player already having won a championship as it seemed to be to a lot of the guys who signed on to go down there and play with LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh?
2: I I think so. I think you look at it and i you know, I'm speaking for myself, uh, older in your career, you know, so your flaws won't be shown as much. You get a chance to just ride the piggyback of those three guys. Um, Obviously, we got to look at financially. That's what people have to know deeper is Florida. There's no state tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think a standpoint from older guys always want to play in a warmer climate. You know, Miami is warm. Uh, then for the younger guys, it's, it's Miami, the city. And I think the organization, Mickey Harrison, who I've known, you know, since my rookie year, uh, is one of the top-notch owners in this league. Uh, he lets his players and play, lets his coaches coach. And Pat be the president of GM, but also – you still understand that he's the owner. So he's a hands-on, but he's out-the-way type of owner. Uh, and then I think they do it first class. And then I have the opportunity, because it's going to be somewhat of a circus to be around that. Uh, and then also to be that vet, that common influence, and then that opportunity to win a ring. You know, I think a lot of guys, especially veterans, understand that you maybe get a chance to be on TV, get a chance to people see you more in a different light. You'll be a part of it. All you got to do is hit one or two big shots and make one or two big plays, and you get an opportunity with a team that's on TV a lot, to maybe sign another deal.
3: It's interesting to me, Smitty, the way you talked about all that. And you didn't even mention getting to play with Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, <laughs> and Chris Bosh. I mean, is, is that – it would seem to me that that would be a big part of it also. But, I mean, you laid out a pretty good case for going to a franchise and not even really worrying about who your teammates are going to be. I mean, there's so much else that goes into it other than just who you're playing with.
2: Oh, you're totally right, Lang. I, I, you know, just try to lay out something different other than those three guys. And then when you add those three guys, it's just like icing on the cake.
3: Yeah. But I think
2: now... Um,
3: that's a lot you know, of icing. <laughs>
2: it's a lot of icing <laughs> and a lot of open shots. Uh, so, but I think, uh, I think now that the the fan, the player, uh, the media have to start looking at it more of a business situation. And I think that's what a lot of players are doing right now, and especially owners who've been doing it for years. And I think now... All of us have to look at it business-wise when, you know, and I'm not speaking for those three guys who signed back with Miami, but there's some of the things that out there you guys know is, you know, no state tax is huge when you talk about guys having the type of endorsements they have and contracts they have.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Smitty, I can't believe that I'm, I'm just now getting around to asking you about this because it happened so long ago. But did Tom Izzo know something that the city of Cleveland should have known when when he decided not to take that offer to coach the Cavaliers, um, do you think he just had a feeling maybe that LeBron wasn't going back to the Cavaliers or he just he just realized that it wasn't a situation for him in the NBA?
2: Well, I think it was kind of written on the wall for him, not that he knew for sure, not that uh, LeBron gave him any indication. Mm-hmm. The indication was that he couldn't get in touch with LeBron. Wow. Uh, you know, and you're talking to Tom, uh, he was saying it wasn't, you know, LeBron's responsibility to have to talk to him but he just thought you know as a player I mean as a coach maybe potentially coming in if he couldn't get a chance to least talk to LeBron he's looking at the situation uh without LeBron versus the Michigan State situation and I think you know obviously the Michigan State situation outweighed the Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron nothing against Dan you know Gilbert and those guys he didn't see that situation you know, being a great situation without LeBron James and also being able to win right away uh, without LeBron. And it was something that Tom wasn't trying to go pro. It was, you know, Dan Gilbert and those guys, you know, contacting him. Uh, Tom told me, hey, it's a, it's a pro team in the Midwest, probably the closest team versus, you know, Detroit where he's at, you know, Chicago, Cleveland. Uh, the owner was from Michigan State. Uh, and the possibility of a team, inherited a team that's winning 60-plus with LeBron that he had to least think about it. But at the end of the day, uh, just like uh, 99, 2000, uh, you know, Michigan State, the options way better for him. Uh, and I'm not saying he will go or won't go. But I think uh, he was happy just to be thought of as one of the coaches, uh, to be able to chance to, to coach in the NBA. But at the end of the day, he said he wanted to be back in Michigan State to win another national championship.
1: Yeah, that's That's not music to my ears. I would have been glad to see him go at any point. Yeah, go. we know, we know you've been a, a Wolverine fan. Uh, your day is coming, you know, long
2: time from now, but it's coming.
3: Hey, Smitty still owes me lunch from the when UGA beat Michigan State a couple years ago in the, what uh, was it, Outback Bowl or one of those? What? Yeah, I yeah. do,
2: I do, Lane. But, you know, guess what, Lane? Just like just like six, you, you know, it's a long time coming for me, both you
5: guys, football and basketball.
1: Well, listen, man. One last thing, Smitty, I, I don't want to let you off without asking you. There's been some you know, discussions, obviously, about Shaquille O'Neal uh, you know, and the Hawks uh, and obviously some other teams still interested in Shaquille O'Neal. But any any idea what kind of impact a Shaq signing would have, not only on the Hawks on the floor, but uh, in the city of Atlanta and just what kind of buzz you think that would create around town?
2: Well, you know, I'm all for it. I think when you look at Shaquille, he's been around forever. Uh, you easily add five, 6,000 more fans mm-hmm. coming tonight. I think then on a the court, you got a guy that's still, I think, in the top seven or eight centers in his league. Uh, and then you have Al Horford will be able to go back and forth from center to power four. You have Josh Smith, who I think would flourish playing alongside Shaquille O'Neal and then also get a chance to flirt with playing small four. I just think it, it does so much for the Atlanta Hawks you know, on the floor and off the court, I think it's a no-brainer. I think they should try everything in their their possibilities to try to get Shaq. You know, you got swept by Orlando, and it was just one scenario. You had nobody really that can guard Dwight Howard. No offense to Al Horford, just too small. Now you have a guy that's another six fouls, another veteran, somebody can guard him, you know, decently, offensively, defensively, and then also offensively you can have Shaq draw some fouls. It creates open shots for everybody. You know the Hawks struggle a little bit. We're going one on one now. You have a guy that you have to double, no matter how old he gets. If Shaq posts up, anybody gets to dribble, you have to come double. So, I think the Hawks should try everything they can. They try to get him to come to Atlanta. Yeah,
3: I mean, I, I know I so would like it. Yeah, I know Lange would like well, it too. Well, I mean, I th- it's funny because you hear, you see people like the summer, oh Shaq's over, and I mean the guy was the starting center on a team that won sixty games, and he averaged twelve and seven. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not averaging four and two. I mean, those are numbers, and I think they'll translate. Um, and granted, that was playing with LeBron, but, it, I mean, playing with Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, and Al Horford, I think, would uh, give Shaq a couple of openings, too, out there on the court.
2: I think, you know, like just like you said, Lang, and Saco, as you know as well, let's add 12 and 7 to the Atlanta Hawks. You know, that's the spot they've been desperately needing. You know, Al gives you everything you got, but then there's no backup, really, for Al. Now you have a guy, whether you start him or not, you have 12 and 7, and the presence of Shaquille O'Neal off the court, uh, bring bringing to the Hawks. I just think at the number Shaq would, you know, price he would get it. I think uh, the Hawks, it's a no-brainer for them to try to go get him.
3: Yeah. And it would also give Arthur Trish something to do, so. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: hey, well, we listen, Smitty, and I know you've been swamped basically since the finals, you know, with uh, Summer League and then USA Basketball going on as well. Playing uh, golf. You know. Doing all that Spartan <laughs> stuff you like to do uh, in and around the state of Michigan in the summer, uh, so I, we appreciate you taking a little time out of your busy schedule, man, to join us here on the podcast. Absolutely, and always appreciate your time. Well, you
2: Thanks. know, it's, it's for you guys. Thank you, and Lane. You know, two of my favorite guys. There's no problem.
3: Some other guys, I, I probably wouldn't call back. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Smitty, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Smitty. All right. See you guys. All right. Now. See, Lang, I'm I'm glad I'm not the only person beating this Shaquille O'Neal drum around uh, the city of Atlanta here. And again, you you brought up a great point. All these people who say Shaq is washed up, I like. I I blogged about it two or three times in the last you know week and a half, two weeks. All these people saying, "Well, Shaq is washed up." This and the other. He averaged 12 and seven last year. It's not like he was, you know, he was dragging on the court. You know, he wasn't pulling a. True. You know, a Donald Foyle, no offense, I don't want to get a Donald Foyle upset with me, but it's not its not like he was just mailing it in.
3: Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I'm sure part of that is probably because he was playing with LeBron. I mean, you know, a lot of guys, you, your numbers go up when you're playing with LeBron. Like, Smitty was like, you get open shots, you know, but uh, I, I agree. I, I don't think Shaq's done. I think he's got something left. I mean, and the more good players you surround him with, the more of a chance you give him to, to put up points and numbers, and I mean, and in practice, just... Teaching tricks and tips and little things like that. I mean, I think that would uh, be invaluable also. So I, I I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much money he's asking for, and maybe that's been the sticking point with all these teams. But uh, I'm, I don't think he's done, and I think uh, there's a couple teams that could definitely use him.
4: I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys. Just to start off by saying that I do think that they should sign him, but to play devil's advocate for a minute. I think sometimes the worry with guys like Shaq, and it seems the same with T. Mac and AI as well, is that can they can they take that backup role? I don't think that Shaq had a problem playing sort of that backup role when it was the Bronze Team, but it, you know, is there a guy on the Hawks that he you know doesn't at this point still think he's better than? Will he be able to sort of take that backseat role?
1: I, I don't think you know, and I and I don't I don't think it's fair to lump Shaq into the same category with T. Mac and AI just. And I, and I know a lot of people like to, to bundle them together and say, well, these three guys are all looking for work and they're vets and they're, and they're past their prime. Shaq's situation is a little different to me, Micah. I just think what Shaq brings in presence alone, like there was a time when T-Mac Lang would be on the floor and you had to account for T-Mac at all times because he was right. Tracy McGrady. Same with AI. At this stage of their careers, it's, it's not the same deal. Shaq is still seven one three hundred and gazillion pounds and you know what I'm saying? And you have to somebody has to literally, physically account for this man at all times, whether he's the focal point of a team or not. He's just too big and you know, and too Shaq not to pay attention to. I think that on the floor and then the the stuff Shaq brings off the court, the attention, the spotlight, the you know, the fans. It's just too much to overlook for, for a team that needs it.
3: I think if you can get Shaq to buy into that, you know, and and if you limit his numbers and minutes, you know, I, th- I think at the end of the year it, it pays off a little more. Like in, you know, in Cleveland, he had that hand injury and and missed whatever with the last twenty something games. But uh, I I think with more players around him and and if they work a little harder to limit that and uh, use him in the right way, I, I think it pays off for him longer term. Maybe he can play more than two more years. I, I just, you know, I, I hope I'm not doing all this in vain. You know, uh, I,
1: I, <laughs> I, I, I said I'm going to start up a Will shack for food campaign around downtown Atlanta, basically walking around holding up signs with with my small uh, street team of of shack shackites. But I don't know if it's going to work. I just, I'd hate to see the Hawks have a chance to get him um, and then he goes somewhere else. You know, basically for the same money in the same role, you know, strictly because this team didn't wanna didn't wanna play that game. Now, the one thing I will say, um, you know, adding a guy like Josh Powell, if you're gonna go out and add a younger six eleven to seven foot, you know, player that you could put in your mix that you think is better than Shaq, great. But I haven't heard an alternative. You know, that's my problem. Right. I, I keep hearing about Jason Collins being the alternative, and I know Al Horford. You know, uh, nicknamed him the Diesel last year when he played with the Hawks, but it's a big difference between that nickname and the real Diesel, as far as I'm concerned.
3: I think if you bring back, well, obviously, if you bring back Collins, um, there's no chance he's going to break into your starting lineup, which is what you're talking (laughs) about with Shaq, right? You know, and, and so, I mean, Shaq obviously would have much more of an impact than a Jason Collins would have. Um, I think Jason Collins would probably be good to have around just because he's a good guy. Um, and, and off the court practice fouls as you say in a game you can give six fouls but uh, I mean Shaq's a guy who can still contribute uh, and I don't I'm not sure why uh, he's still kind of floating around out there with all these teams uh, you know teams need centers this is one of the yeah. best centers of all time yeah I mean Darko got listen Darko got twenty million dollars this summer
1: whoa so I mean if Darko gets twenty million you know if, if I'm Shaq I'm sitting home going. Man, I, you know, have I dropped off to the to this? I mean, really. But you know, maybe maybe we'll be talking about Shaq again next week in in uh, talking about the the wild parade he's gonna have, you know, up and down Peachtree Street when he signs. Because you know, Shaq be, doesn't show up without some fanfare. Now you'll be driving the the car. I'll, I'll be, be driving the big rig, baby. Me and Shaq. <laughs> sure. um, you know, in in that Cleveland situation, I don't know if you've gotten this feeling, Lang, but. Do you, I mean, after the initial sting of the decision and the whole show and LeBron deciding to leave, has Cleveland, I mean, is it me or has Cleveland literally dropped out of the daily conversation about who's going to do what next year in the NBA? I, I took a lot of heat from people for not including Cleveland among the eight teams I thought would make the playoffs based on what had gone down in free agency up until this point. I, I don't know that Cleveland's a playoff team this season after what what they lost and maybe i'm wrong but
3: have you noticed that they've kind of dropped out of the consciousness at least of the conversation i think i think they have dropped out of the conversation now i don't i mean that, that was a 60 win team and the best team in the eastern conference during the regular season last year um and now obviously they had the mvp playing with them and and so you take that away it's gonna hurt but um i don't know how much it hurts you know and i i think you're going to have to change the way you play, and they're doing that with Byron Scott. And so, um, you know, they're going to have to change the way they approach every single game. Uh, they've got a lot of good players, you know. I mean, Mo Williams was an all-star, and maybe that's because he was playing with LeBron. But, you got Mo Williams, Antoine Jameson, um, uh Anderson Vergeau. I mean, J.J.
1: Hickson. Hickson. May... I uh, just – my problem with it laying in, in you know, in, in – Don't y'all tell me I'm wrong because I've had plenty of people from Cleveland telling me already. I don't need anybody else to tell me. But I just felt like they had such a LeBron-centric operation up there. Like, few teams in the league, to me, have basically everything they do tied into this one guy. Right. Um, You know, Miami has that sort of situation. LA. Or had that sort of situation. LA is a little different. I thought – I think, you know, when when the Lakers play without Kobe sometimes – they still have a semblance or a framework of how they play where they can survive a little bit longer yes. than some of these other teams. It's just LeBron basically was the show for the Cavaliers, like I forget the number at the end of the season of games they lost when they were basically holding him out and holding some of those other guys out and you got you know, and I made a joke about it at the time. I think I sent out something on Twitter like this is what the Cavaliers looked like, you know in two thousand and ten and eleven. If LeBron doesn't stay home, you know, they were they were competitive and spunky and this little, you know, scrappy bunch. They were getting in. They were getting their teeth kicked in a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and it's all situational. But I, I don't know who's the catalyst for that team if, you know,
3: without LeBron James. I mean, I think Washington last year with Gilbert out, they kind of had Jameson as the, the guy and didn't really work out so well. <laughs> uh, and I think that's going to have it's going to have to be like a Jameson, Mo Williams combo. Uh, I, you know, the other reason we don't, we're, no one's talking about what they're gonna do or whatever, is because money-wise, they're they're full up. I mean, they've they've got fifty million, I think, next year committed salary-wise, and so they can't go out and sign anyone. And when LeBron left, and I, that was part of, I think, what caused Dan Gilbert to write that wonderful web post uh, <laughs> when LeBron left was that he was, you know, it, it took so long and the whole thing dragged out, and then all of a sudden, with LeBron gone, they were kind of handcuffed. Uh so they're gonna have to do something and, and I I it's not gonna be free agent wise. They're gonna have to make some trades or make some moves and you know, maybe they try to hit the reboot button. Um but Dan Gilbert said they're gonna win a title before Miami will, so Well, Dan Dan Gilbert said a lot of things in that letter. <laughs> they probably they probably
1: shouldn't be taken as seriously as, as that statement. So I I you know, I don't know. I we we're gonna have a, another guest on here shortly on the podcast who um who can kinda of give us some some reaction and some context for what life will be like in Cleveland without LeBron James. We're gonna to talk to Branson Wright, uh who was the, the beat writer for the Cavaliers um B L, which is before LeBron. Um and I remember going up there to when it was Gund Arena in
4: uh-huh.
1: a bit of a ghost town. So we let's let's uh let's see if we can't scratch up Branson Wright and see if he'll uh you know, give us a little, uh, of his wisdom, you know, so we got Branson right on the line with us now Lang, um, you know, long time, uh, sports writer all over the country, but, you know, spent a good part of the last probably, I guess, decade or so in Cleveland was the beat writer on the Cavaliers beat for the plane dealer before they got LeBron James. And then after they got LeBron James still at the plane dealer, uh, Branson, Few people have the perspective you have of that franchise pre- and post-LeBron. Um, are you are you more stunned that he left or with the way he left, uh, with the decision and the show he did on ESPN?
5: Well, I'm not stunned he left because about four years ago when all three of these guys, talking about Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, signed a short-term deal, I started to thinking that, you know what? I think these guys have something up their sleeve. Now, at that time, I wrote that they were all going to, going to go to New York, which <laughs> of course didn't happen. Right. But the fact that they all got together, it, it didn't surprise me. What did surprise me, and it surprised everybody else, is the the decision, the the show. And and I know LeBron is is about marketing, as he's about about winning and, and trying to be the best basketball player he can be. But he's also about about marketing. So the fact that he did that and the way it was handled, I, I was surprised. I didn't watch it. I told everybody I wasn't going to watch it, and I
3: didn't.
5: <laughs> and I didn't. But what hurts a lot of Cleveland fans here more than anything is not that he just, you know, that he's going to Miami. It's the way that it was, as they figure, it was a slap in the face. He gets on national TV and he says he's not – keeping his talent in the flats of
1: Cleveland.
5: <laughs> <laughs> the flats in South Beach. I, I've been to both
1: many times. I'm I'm sitting here trying to, eh, I'm going with South Beach. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Branson.
3: Well, I, I was curious, Branson, what's it like? I mean, you talk about the, the franchise and people not being – happy with the way this all went down how has it been since quote-unquote the decision like was it kind of anger and now what's next or is it still anger or what's the reaction there in Cleveland oh oh, it's still
5: anger and and (laughs) if you go on the internet or check out different blogs or even just google LeBron James's name and (laughs) I think that the jokes on LeBron has has increased since this so-called decision you know, and I got my fingers up in quote marks too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and that's increased. And if if I go to a barbecue anywhere in town, the first thing everyone wants to talk about is, "Well, what do you think about LeBron leaving?" And, oh, and I I don't think it was he showed a lot of class on the way he did that, and and they're angry with them. You know, they they've said other things that I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> talking, talking to you guys, but <laughs> but but people here in Cleveland are angry. They they really feel that they got dissed. But as I always remind them, you know this is the, if he would have decided to stay in Cleveland, you guys would have loved him. You know whatever faults that you're bringing up about him now, you knew about these so-called faults before. But you were like, well, okay, he plays for us, so you know we're we're not going to bring anything up. So yeah. fans are fickle and and it's really coming out now. I mean since, since he's not here anymore, it's uh I I wouldn't be surprised somebody dress up like LeBron on Halloween here in Cleveland next time it comes up. But but maybe not because something could happen
1: to that guy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> something could happen to it. Wow. He dressed up like LeBron James.
1: Branson, I mean just from a, a a comparison perspective, what would this be like anywhere else? I mean, can you can you fathom the impact of another guy, cause I, and and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but I just I always felt like LeBron's connection to the Cavaliers went deeper than just the pro team in that town that got the hometown kid. I mean, like, there, if you think about the city of Cleveland, there haven't been a zillion, or, or even Northeast Ohio, there haven't been a zillion big-time NBA players that have come out of that place. You know, so, I mean, he was not only – Arguably, the the best high school player to ever come from from there. I mean, he was arguably the best player ever to to come through there. Period. So, so
5: why you got to rub it in that nobody <laughs> likes to come to <laughs> <laughs> never had any star. I mean, I it, mean, you're right. I mean, you have to go back to Jim Brown, right? As far yeah. as somebody being a superstar and and a, and a great player. You know, you know, and, and that's the shame of it. it, it it's the fact that. He, he's from here, although LeBron continuously talked about being from Akron. The right. only Not people Cleveland. that said that he was from northeastern Ohio or from here were people from Cleveland. So he <laughs> never really claimed Cleveland except when he wore that uniform. But just like the Bernie Kosar thing, Bernie Kosar was a part of this community, and, and everybody embraced him, and, and no matter how bad at times – Or when Bernie had a bad game, you know, people still love Bernie Kosar because he was from here. So the only thing I could come close to comparing it to is if, say, for instance, Archie Griffin goes back in time with Ohio State and then say, he goes, you know what, after he won the first Heisman, I'm going to transfer to Michigan. (laughs)
1: That That would have been sweet. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
5: I'd have loved it, and 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 the way people are acting in Cleveland—that's that, how they would have acted in Columbus because Archie was from there. He he is Ohio State, and and people felt that LeBron was the Cleveland Cavaliers. He he's Cleveland, and the fact that he left that—you know—not only are people upset, but really, really disappointed that this all went down.
3: Well understandably. I mean, if you're a, if I was a Cavs fan, I'd probably still be angry also, but I mean, look forward a little bit, if you can Branson, like what, what, what next for the Cavs? Well,
5: uh, you, you have to give Byron Scott a lot of credit. He knew this was a possibility and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to still come. I'm, I'm a coach and I'm going to still come to Cleveland and we'll see right. what happens. So, so it's, I wouldn't say it's a big shock to, to Byron Scott. And, and basically the fans should take the same you know, take feel the same way that Byron Byron Scott does that, okay, this is the team we have, let me try to do what I can with this team. And and we've had a few polls on uh, cleveland.com Cleveland dot com slash starting blocks. Shameless plug. And, <laughs> no doubt.
4: And, and, we, Understood.
5: and 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 we talked about should the Cavs try to win this year, should they try to get into the playoffs or should they just rebuild? And you sort of had a 50-50 uh, thing on, on, on both sides. You know, Some people think that maybe they're good enough to get into the playoffs and hopefully play Miami Heat in the first round. I mean, that'll be fun. <laughs> or, <laughs> or since they have a lot of money uh, going into next year, they'll have some draft picks next year and just try to uh, you know, build the team for the future. But, but the, one, the bottom line is this. No matter what has happened, that LeBron has broken everybody's heart. Cleveland is a football town. And I'm telling you, when training camp starts next week, everybody's going to forget all about this. (laughs) It's going to be all about the Browns. What are they going to do? And if they somehow can start a two- or three-game winning streak to start the season, it'll be LeBron who?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Branson, how long does the emotional hangover last for Cavaliers fans like even if they move on from it and you know Miami's doing whatever how long I mean can LeBron ever come back in (laughs) any way shape or form to that to that area and not be seen as the villain like you know I mean is there ever a a, uh, a time when he can come back there and not be seen as the ultimate you know deserter Let's see. Say, cool. What we got? About twenty years before we retire. <laughs> Twenty-five years. We won't see 30 it. <laughs> years, Thirty
5: years. Wow. I, 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 one thing about Cleveland fans—they they don't forget, and we know about Art Modell yeah. breaking right. the hearts of fans here, and they still don't forget it. Like, still don't forget him. It. So I, it's going to take some years. It, it's going to take not only some years, but. Now, I wouldn't imagine LeBron would try to do some charity work here yeah. in Cleveland. They they probably wouldn't accept it. So and <laughs> to get out of here. <laughs> so so it, it's just gonna take some time. And has, and time time heals everything.
3: Has he been back? Do you know Branson? Has he been back to Ohio since all that? I would imagine he oh, had yeah. to have, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been he's been to Akron and,
5: and, and that's the thing about Akron. That that's his that's his hometown. And people in Akron are disappointed. I don't think they're as angry as they are at Cleveland, but for the most part, he'll always be accepted back, back at Akron. and,
1: And he'll continue to do the things that he's been doing as far as the charity work and things like that. Well, Branson, you, you covered that beat, you know, the Cavaliers beat before LeBron, before it became basically a global beat that everybody was paying attention to. And you had the hordes, you know, descended upon Cleveland to cover this guy. What is that dynamic? The good old days. Yeah. Good old days. <laughs> what is that the dynamic like now in terms of I mean, you saw it go from from ground zero to the peak of LeBron's, you know, uh power, so to speak, you know, going to the finals and, and all that, to back down now to this situation where you're trying to figure out how to handle it. I mean, what what kind of dynamic do you think that's gonna be for yourself and the other people in in the area that have to cover that team? Let me
5: tell you. Before LeBron, it was a a reporter's dream, and and this (laughs) is why. And then one one thing about reporters: we want people to be accessible. Right. And and before LeBron, they didn't put flat screen TVs and a masseuse and a refrigerator and a cook in the training room. (laughs) <laughs> before I am going to say in the press so, room. So, so, so there was no reason why for these guys to come out of that training room mm. except for maybe they'll give you the last few minutes before the locker room would close. Before then, those guys would be in there. They'd they have a conversation with you. And you don't – and, "Cool, you know that you don't have to always have your pad and pen and recorder in somebody's face to get information. Right. And, and you got a chance to develop relationships. And that, that was the, the good thing. Now, from a fan perspective, these guys are winning like 20 and 30 games, so they, they weren't real happy about that. So, so that's the two different dynamics with that. But, but in moving moving ahead, I think I think you'll have a, a more a friendlier uh, or more accessible team now since LeBron's not around, and you won't have all the the the, the media representatives from the Cavs. As far as having somebody with him at all times, and 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 tape recorders everywhere, and being real careful, if you will, on on what he says, and monitoring everything, I think it'll be a lot more open. I think, uh, and and that'll be to their benefit, but to be a lot more open with the media and and a lot more relaxed than they were before.
3: Was it kind of like I mean, like you remember Jordan and the Jordanaires? Was it kind? I mean the other guys was it were they able like mo williams verazao those guys to kind of create a connection with with cleveland and with the fans in ohio well
5: i don't i think it was sort of unfair to them
0: because yeah.
5: you know one of the criticisms i had every time the cavs win it was because of lebron every time the cavs lost he didn't have any help
3: right. so <laughs> so the, so those
5: guys couldn't win <laughs> no matter no matter what so yeah. I, I think in a lot of ways, um, they'll see a difference and I'm not gonna say that they're they're gonna be happy LeBron is gone, but, but at least now, uh when they do win some games, you know, people will recognize that there were other guys here. I mean, they were here all along, but now people will notice that these guys are, are pretty good too and, and they have value in the team just like LeBron did. Yeah.
1: Well, be right, uh we appreciate you coming on. I can't let you get off though before Without at least checking, what do you what do you think we'll see first? Floyd Mayweather and and Manny Pacquiao fight, or the Cavaliers make the playoffs? What, what happened? I mean, Eric, listen, Lang—he's got Grand Rapids roots. Lang, don't let him fool you. He might be Ohio
3: guy, but he has blood
1: ties to the to Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> well, as a boxing
5: fan, I would love to see Mayweather and Pacquiao get it on first. But man. Yeah, that's what I'm about to go with. I'll, I'll go with that. Wow, I'll go with that. You, you'll all see right. those two guys hook it up first. So hopefully they'll do it soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully for the fans of Cleveland they'll get it done. <laughs> ASAP. Well, hopefully for
3: for Branson's sake too. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We don't want to get we don't want to get the starting blocks mobbed with all with all of this anger either. So
3: no, no, not at all.
1: They're out there now. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, Listen, Branson, right of the plane Dealer in Cleveland and the starting blocks. We want to make sure we give you much love because y'all did a fantastic job throughout the entire uh, affair with LeBron. I mean, there's some some great stuff uh, on that plane Dealer website. And uh, we appreciate you coming on with us, Be Right.
5: Okay, and just because LeBron is gone doesn't mean you guys, you know, you can still call me. (laughs) (laughs) Still call me.
1: We we ain't losing your number, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to happen. Thanks, Be Right. (laughs) All right, guys. All right, man. Lang before we wrap the show up, we got to get to our new weekly staple here at the Hangtime Podcast, our Skype call of the week. All right. Callers from all over the globe, man. We we're trying to make this thing international now. We not we don't just want to talk to you know the six other Hawks fans out there. We want to worldwide. Yeah. We want to go worldwide. So uh we are going to uh see if our, our our big shot super producer in there Micah Hart can can work some of his magic and uh get us a Skype caller here. I can probably get my dad to call in. Listen, I was thinking about the same thing, but my dad would call in and probably give us the business about yeah. something we said on previous podcasts. But uh, here we go. Let's see what we got, Lang. We got... What's up, guys? Daniel, Hello. how Daniel. you doing? What's up? How are I'm you, man? Where are you calling from, Daniel?
0: Croatia. Croatia. That's what, what I'm time talking is,
3: about. What time is it there, Daniel?
0: Uh, midnight. Hey. Man, <laughs> <are you> doing? <laughs> yeah, you, we hope you're not. Uh,
1: we want gonna hope you're not upsetting the whole house listening to the Hangtime Podcast now.
0: Nah, no, nah, no, nah. No. <laughs> well, listen, man. What's your question, Daniel? Uh, I got a question. Who is the best team in the West Conference at this moment? Besides LA, uh, second second, best team. second
1: uh, best team. Yeah, besides the Lakers. Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, Lang. I've already been lambasted, Daniel, uh, from people from Portland all over the place, uh, you know, out West that so I put sorry, the Oklahoma city tough. thunder Portland fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put Oklahoma <laughs> city number two, just in my midsummer rankings on the Hangtime blog, just cause I felt like I like to look at which team came out of, you know, uh, the, the playoffs with some momentum. And I know they lost in the first round to the Lakers, but I just felt like Oklahoma city had that chance to be a team that really leapfrogged some of the competition because they're younger. Um, you know, and they're and they're really deep and
3: balanced. Um, so I'm I'm picking Oklahoma City. Well, you know, Daniel, I think you I know you're a Portland fan. I think if Portland can stay healthy, you talk about them as a, a, a kind of like a little bit of an older Oklahoma City, you know, young core um, yeah. guys who've been there uh, with Andre Miller and stuff. But I I think they could if they can stay healthy. That you got to talk to Portland, and um, I mean Dallas and Phoenix, I think are both uh, they they finished two and three last year, but uh Phoenix, I think I and Josh Childress is going to help them.
0: And, and... Do you think Phoenix will have uh, – they, they're going to miss points in the paint? Amari, yeah, probably.
3: But... Probably. But, you know, the thing with Phoenix is that, that system they play, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Amari is a great player, but they just kind of plug in guys left and right. And these guys they had jump in, like Jared Dudley, yeah, exactly. and, uh, Channing Frye. And they in
0: basically and... have now Turkoglu to... yeah. he can, he can play play forward, point well, forward. Think...
3: And he can create in the half court if they get stuck at the end of a game, you know. And I, I think that helps a lot, too. So, I think Phoenix and I, I think Dallas is still right there. I, you know, they, they, it's kind of like that they can't bottle the lightning at the end of the year any time. But <laughs> yeah. I think maybe this year, maybe this is the year they do it. Daniel, what if, let me tell what you, if Daniel, Carl m-
0: comes back? What if who? George Carl comes back. Oh, he's coming yeah. back.
3: He's coming back. I mean, yeah, that's a good
0: point, yeah, too.
1: Denver's always back. there, too. So. I'm gonna uh, tell you yeah. guys my other my other uh really dark horse team and it's a lot like Portland, Daniel, based on the injuries and, and how healthy guys are in their return is if what if Yao mean comes back in Houston True. And, and is playing yeah. at a high level? To me that's yeah I, I kinda listed Portland and Houston together because a lot of what they do this season will depend on how healthy their bigs are. Um, yep. I think if Joel Miller and Greg Oden come back and come you know, and play inspired basketball and really play like you know, we, we everybody thinks they're capable of. Those are the two teams that could really make a, a giant leap up the up the standings if if everything falls into place. People
0: warm. people sleep on Houston a lot. Yeah, I mean people Kevin Martin
3: on. and and Yao playing healthy it could be and Aaron
0: Brooks. Daniel,
3: how'd you get to be a uh, Portland fan? That's what of I'm saying sa- uh, exactly. Uh,
0: my favorite player ever is Drajan Petrovic. Ah, uh, okay. okay. And his first NBA. Well, his first NBA was in Portland, right? This club, and uh, since then, Drexler time, Terry Porter time, jailblazers and uh, <laughs> all that right. stuff. Yeah. So
3: you you a true fan then? You've been with him through all of it.
0: Yeah, from the '91. Yeah, that's, that's '91.
3: Awesome. Could you watch the games back then, or no? Nah?
0: Yeah, actually I can. Actually I can. I have a one site. I usually oh, I no. watch uh, from NBA.com. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Thanks
3: for the point. <laughs> <laughs> but back in '91, when they had Petro, like we're, but, were, were games. But it's harder. TV? But
0: it's harder to watch Portland, but it got because uh, West Coast time is too late for me. Sure. It's like mm. six time in the morning, so right. I watch a lot of East Coast games.
3: So you, but you do get to stay up for the podcast. So we. Appreciate That's sweet. That. That's sweet.
0: Yeah, listen, Daniel, no.
3: we appreciate you, man. Uh,
1: I wish we had some cool. Uh, Promotional something i'm gonna talk to michael we got to figure out what we're going to start handing out to the to our skype callers of the week maybe we'll take some cash out of michael's pocket and send it to you <laughs> any, send your autograph any chance when's coming back i don't know we listen he big-timed us we gotta we gotta figure out if this dude is actually gonna return a phone call we we can't get him to even meet us for coffee so <laughs> we'll see man maybe you ought to send him a send him a, a message on uh, twitter or try and call him on yeah. skype and see if he answers
0: Yeah, I'm
1: going to try. All right. Thanks, Daniel, man, and and enjoy now. Well, Lang, like I said, global, baby. (laughs) We are global. Croatia. Daniel, I I love that, man, because what are the chances that a dude in Croatia at midnight is going, hmm, let me me holler at the cats on the Hangtime
3: podcast. (laughs) I love this. I was going to say, whatever the chances were, we just hit them. I know. I love this, man. Listen, as
1: always, the best fun you can have talking basketball and plenty of other things on the Hangtime podcast here. Lang Whitaker, uh, my special guest co-host, I'm trying to figure out how we keep you around here without you, you know, sending us one of your bills. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, You know, I know you charge top dollar. Keep changing the heck every sur- week. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> for your services, but we appreciate you. Hey, uh, have fun at football practice. Listen, man, I, I wasn't going to get into that, but Coach Newt Smithney is on his way to uh, <laughs> the first practice of the season, baby. The Smyrna Spartans, the man with the whistle is on his way. I hope those kids aren't sitting around thinking, hey, he ain't going to show up. It's, it's quarter to six, he ain't going to make it. He's Saker, on his way. Saker Smithka. That's right. <laughs> Seku Smith So, uh, but listen, Lang Whitaker, special co-host here on the Hang Time Podcast. Micah Hart, our super producer. Clintonius Hawkins, the man on all the controls, and Tori Carmen, we like to call her TTI, Tori, the intern, in the studio as well. Folks, we'll be back next week. Lang, don't don't uh, block our calls. We'll be trying to find you again this time next week, man, and see if we can do it again. Yes, sir. All right. The Hang Time Podcast, folks. NBA.com. Check it out.